During the COVID-19 pandemic, food delivery apps have seen an incredible boom in business. As people become stuck in their houses, they turn to apps such as DoorDash, Grubhub, Postmates, and Uber Eats to get them the food they needed and wanted. MarketWatch reported that these companies have raked in $5.5 billion from April 2020 to September 2020. But how does this phenomenon even happen in the first place? Who are the people involved and what do they do? These questions first came to my mind when my roommate started driving for DoorDash, otherwise known as dashing. I'm Maya Powell, and this is Confessions of a DoorDash Driver. So, uh, my name is Damiana, and I'm uh, technically a sophomore, I guess, at Scripps. I'm taking a gap year, though, because of the pandemic, and I am decided to start driving for DoorDash because I feel like... It's a, it was a pretty chill way to make, like, extra money. Along with Demiana, I talked to three other college-age people, two of which are in school, about their experience working for DoorDash and other food delivery apps. But before we delve into the mysterious world of DoorDash, we need to look at the bigger picture, the gig economy. Job insecurity in the United States has been rising for the past few decades. This has led to increases in income inequality and what sociologist Arnie Calvert calls precarious work, or work, quote, in which people receive limited social benefits and statutory entitlements, and in which the risks of work are transferred away from employers and the government towards workers, unquote. These increases within work insecurity have led people to turn to other options. One of the newest and most accessible work options is the gig economy, also known as the platform economy. The gig economy combines the work and technology. It allows people to work when they have the time and also make money or find employment. Many of these apps use what is called an on-demand business model, meaning consumers can find what they want, when they want, and get it as soon as possible. While the gig economy includes a lot of benefits, fast ways of making money, flexibility, and independence, at the same time, the gig economy separates the people who work within it from the label of worker, meaning oftentimes worker rights can be overlooked by gig economy companies, such as DoorDash. When talking to my roommate and other interviewees, I wanted to see how the broader narrative of the gig economy affected and fit in with their own personal experiences. I joined my roommate Demiano for a day of dashing. We began with an order from Mimi's Cafe, a small chain restaurant near our apartment. The customer lived further away, but the commission was $11, which Demiana decided made the order worth it. <laughs> okay, so now we've arrived at Mimi's Cafe, our destination, and on the app I have to let them know that I've arrived, which will then send a notification to the person that ordered that I'm at the restaurant, and I think it's a way of keeping track that I'm like... I'm like on schedule because there's like a deliver by time which like I've never like gone past it's like usually pretty easy to make but yeah. yeah that's where we're at. The setup for DoorDash is pretty simple. My interviews noted that it is pretty user friendly for both the consumer and the driver. First the customer places an order. Once it goes through it is assigned to a dasher who can choose to take it or not. If they choose to take it they get the directions to the food place and the customer, as well as what the order consists of. 
When the dasher arrives at the restaurant, they tell the employees that they are there to pick up a DoorDash order and the food is exchanged. The next and final stop is the customer's house. As Demiana pointed out, throughout the whole process, there are checkpoints for the dasher to enter into the app to let the customer know where their food is and also for accountability of the dasher. Along with these various markers, there is a timeline that the dasher is expected to stick to. In my interview with Ellie of student at Pitzer College, she explained how this timeline worked. So they have, they send you the order and then you can accept or decline it. And then after that, it tells you where to go, what time you should have it picked up by, and then what time you should um, have it delivered to the person's house. Mm -hmm. And then once you pick it up, or once you arrive at the restaurant, you do something where it says, I've arrived. Mm -hmm. And then there, and then you have to do it again once you've picked up and then you like check a box that says, I made sure that everything was included. And then after that, it gives you the address. Um, you can look at the address before, but then it like really puts it in and shows you where to go. And then once you get to the person's house, it's the same thing where it's like, I've arrived at the house, I've dropped off the food and, and alerted the customer. Um, and then after that usually is when you know, you'll get a next order and start all over again. Yeah. Have you, like, what happens if, like, you're late or, like, you're not on time? Do you get penalized or is it just, like, whatever? You don't necessarily, I mean, you would only get penalized, I think, at least, by the reviews or, you know, it's like, it's kind of like Uber in the sense that you give ratings. Um, it's a star system. And so some people like if you are late, they won't be happy and they won't give you five stars, or if the order's messed up or something like that. And then if you have a lower rating, you get orders slower. Um, at least that's my understanding of it. So you want to have a good a good reputation, I suppose, so that they um, like you're one of their top people to allocate um, deliveries to. DoorDash's use of the timeline for the drivers points to a few things. First, there is an expectation that the dashers are constantly working. Once they are done with one order, they go on to the next. It even allows dashers to stack orders, meaning they are completing more than one order at once. This means that there is never waiting between orders, but rather constantly picking up and delivering food. But as dashers take on more work, they ha also have to keep up the same perfect performance, one that is always rated five stars. These expectations have a profound effect on drivers. But, oh yeah, like something that's really difficult about it for me is that the car I'm driving is super old and the air conditioning isn't amazing and it's really hot. So like doing deliveries for more than like two hours gets really, really rough. And then you can't do actually like a ton of deliveries mm -hmm. in two hours. Um, but it's still, I still think that it's a, pr it's a pretty good way to, pretty good way to make money. But like, I, I'm definitely doing it less than I expected because it is like pretty difficult. And also like the company really makes it so that you're like, you like try to overexert yourself. Like they make like really difficult challenges. Like right now, if I do like 35 deliveries over the course of three days, then like I'll get 75 extra dollars, which is like honestly like really really unrealistic to get that many unless you're like doing it from like the entire day which is rough um the hardship that demiana shared with me were echoed by the other interviewees ellie said that the work can be incredibly isolating not super glaring hardships i think that if i am doing it alone for a couple of hours like it can feel lonely 
and a little bit redundant um, and just sort of some for some people myself included like spending that much time with yourself can be like I don't know you can just feel a little bit bummed out like oh if I you know if my friends are hanging out but I felt like I should you know work essentially then and go do some driving then I would be like ah oh, why am I doing this um, the hardships intensify when DoorDash becomes the income you rely on. At the beginning of the pandemic, this happened to Sarah, one of my interviewees. I mean, like, as a side thing, like, if I'm, like, it's a Friday night and I have nothing to do and I'm, like, I'll drop some orders off, that's fine. It feels really good if I have, like, autonomy over it and, like, I don't have to rely on it. But, like, during, like, the month or two where it was, like, my main job, I needed it. I was, like... I have to go like do DoorDash for four hours today because I need to make at least 200 bucks this weekend to like make rent and it was awful. That was Sarah with her boyfriend Sage who was a student at Pitzer. While talking about the difficulties of DoorDash and delivery, one thing they emphasize is that there's no sense of community, especially when compared with working at a restaurant. The customer service side of this like a lot worse, not always worse, but like when it's bad, it's like worse in other places. For example, like I work in like a fast food place and like, if I get a shitty customer, then when they leave, me and all my coworkers are like, uh, we can like, you know, have the like shared camaraderie of being like, we hate customers. And like, it's just, it's jokes, it's whatever, it's fun. But like, at least there's something to like go back to. Whereas like, if I'm a delivery driver and I get like a shitty customer, then I'm like driving home angry and I get home and it's like just me and I'm like, well, that's or, or you're lost somewhere and you don't know where they are, but Literally. it's only you, so only you can figure it out. Or there'll be times where, like, somebody's, like, their delivery order takes me to, like, out in the boonies, and so I have no, like, service, so I can't find my way back. I don't have service, so I'm just crying around aimlessly from their house trying to, like, get service again. In fact, at points it seems as if there is a greater feeling of competition than there is of community. Oh, no, sometimes you'll get to a spot and it'll be like a really popular spot. There'll be like two or three other drivers. Uh, you, yeah, you, you hella just put those visors on and ignore each other. Um, I, I wouldn't even say that there's like competition per se, but sometimes I will get to a place and I'll be like, I could have picked these orders up. I could have been making the extra money. So there's not really competition or community for me, but if anything, it's verging on the competition side. These ideas about community were also emphasized by Ellie and Demiana. To be very individual. My older sister also um, does it, um, did it more in the summer like I did, but still does it from, you know, when it works for her. And it was fun for us to, to both do it because then we, we talk about funny things that happened. You're like, oh, I'm picking up from Noodles and Company. So are you, you know, things that if we would go at the same time. But I haven't really. Um, and then some of my other friends at home have done similar things so just you know talking about experiences or you know oh i got lost driving to that house and they're like oh i got lost one time too it's not um but i haven't met anybody who i don't know or is like close to me as part of a like doordash community they all seem to agree that for them the only community you can find is with people that you knew before starting food delivery what is important about all four of their commentaries is that it seems to fit with national narratives in November 2020, California voters saw on their ballot Proposition 22. This proposal, which was passed, means that gig economy companies can classify workers as independent contractors rather than employees. Remember earlier when I said that gig economy means people are separated from the label of worker? That's exactly what's happening in California and possibly other states soon. 
By being labeled as an independent contractor, Dashers lose easy access to employment benefits, such as minimum wage, sick leave, and insurance, and many others. But this also means there's no sense of community, which is the main effect that my interviewees are feeling. Instead of fostering an online space where people can work together and create better working conditions for all Dashers, drivers are forced into doing incredibly isolating work for minimal pay and benefits. And then, community is so limited in these workspaces that fellow Dashers are perceived as competition. Another important aspect of being a DoorDash driver is the relationship with DoorDash. Earlier, Demiana said that the company will offer rewards for completing a certain number of orders in a certain time span. Usually, these reward systems work more ideally for people who use DoorDash as their sole income, which is not really the demographic my interviewees fall in. But these challenges set the boundaries for the relationship between Dashers and the company. It is one that is very limited and pertains mostly to money. I feel very distant from the company. I don't really understand if they have like a centralized, um, you know, company or if it's just sort of this, I'm, I'm sure they do, or, you know, it's all run through the app, which is nice because then it's all like a lot of things are up to my discretion about when I want to go, how long, where, things like that. But I get like, sometimes I'll get emails from them saying things like, if you recommend a friend and they do 20 deliveries and like a week or something, then, then you, the person who recommended the friend, gets um, like a bonus essentially, or they give you extra money, which is nice. So most of the relationship with them I have, it has to do with money and payments and then promotions for different things going on. I've never been contacted personally, aside from when I signed up and they did my background check and everything. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really, I, I'm sure they have issues. I don't really know much about them, but I was saying that they're kind of like the Amazon of, of food delivery because they're just so easy to use either as a person ordering or a person doing the, the delivery driving. Like it's so easy. It's so efficient. I mean, you have to get like a background check, I don't know, put in your license or something, but it was, it was such an easy process to become a driver. It's not difficult at all. And it's not difficult to start driving. You literally just click a couple buttons on your phone. Um, but they also like don't, treat you with not that you need to be treated with a ton of respect like they're not treating me with disrespect but they don't they don't care who you are they send me emails all the time but i don't ever read them they send me like doordash like driver updates i have no idea what the emails are i don't care yeah i only read it when they like send me my like tax forms <laughs> although i really file taxes for doordash i don't think i made enough yeah i didn't fortunately <laughs> That'd yeah, so I'd say like zero, zero contact with the with the company other than the app, mm -hmm. other than the name, the name on the app on your phone. Um, Sarah also presented an interesting view of the relationship between restaurants and DoorDash, especially since more and more restaurants are being forced to put themselves on these food delivery apps. Yeah, as a delivery driver, I have like no connection to the company. I literally cannot care less. Um, they pay me, so that's cool, I guess. Um, as a like customer and like as someone who works at like a restaurant that's partnered with DoorDash, I kind of hate them. Um, there's like, I work at Mod Pizza and there's like so many times where if like a customer leaves a review, it always affects the store, like our rating. And so if a customer is like, my food was cold because my delivery driver was late, that like affects Mod's rating, not like DoorDash, which is stupid. Um, 
And I just know like other issues of like small companies not wanting to be on DoorDash, but they kind of like have to because it's so like well known if they want to make money through delivery, they kind of have to partner with DoorDash or Postmates or something like that. But at the same time, DoorDash and Postmates and things like that take so many fees and like, I don't know. <laughs> like as a company, I got some issues with them. <laughs> What stood out most to me was Sage calling DoorDash the Amazon of food delivery. It's not necessarily an insult, but does really aptly show what DoorDash actually stands for. DoorDash doesn't care about fostering communities or creating relationships with their restaurants or dashers. This is shown through my interviews in Proposition 22. They're only focused on maximizing profit. All of my interviewees note that DoorDash hasn't particularly screwed them over yet, but there does seem to be an understanding that DoorDash has exploitative qualities. Restaurants are forced onto it. Dashers are constantly pushed to be continuously working and taking orders. This seems to be the point of the gig economy, or at the very least DoorDash. To power their on-demand business model, workers need to be available 24-7, and they can't really question their roles within these companies. To ensure that no one can try and change these conditions, these companies pass legislation such as Proposition 22. Just like dashers find themselves in a constant cycle of taking one order after the next, the gig economy forces consumers and workers to partake in endless cycles of on-demand business. It promises quick deliveries and easy money, and it becomes harder and harder to see the flaws of these systems. Okay, so we just made it to um, our order, the customer's house, and their requested method was to hand it to them. So we're gonna go in and then complete delivery and yeah. <laughs> okay, so fun. Thing to say about that order? Final um, thoughts? It was pretty smooth. It was really easy to drop off because it was um, not in an apartment complex, but I don't like driving this far for an order. So now we have to, we're outside of our delivery zone. So we have to go back into it before we can get any other orders. But otherwise, I would say it was a pretty smooth, pretty smooth one. Nice. Going with Demiana on the delivery was interesting and provided a lot of context to how the delivery happens. It wasn't a particularly hard job, but it certainly adds up. Constantly driving from one place to the next, going in and out of the food establishments, all while making sure you are sticking to the timeline set by the app and ensuring five-star service aren't easy tasks. The gig economy is firmly cementing itself into everyday life. More and more companies are being created to cater to everyday tasks with the goal to make life easier for the consumer. At least, that's what DoorDash's mission statement says. Easier evenings, happier days, bigger saving accounts, wider nets, and stronger communities. But is what DoorDash promising actually happening? We've seen through the interviews with Ellie Sage and Sarah, the delivery with Demayana, and the implementation of Proposition 22 that DoorDash's actions seem to contradict its mission statement. The burden of creating easier evenings and happier days isn't on the company. It's on the people who work for it. It causes strain for restaurants and dashers. In many ways, it also opens the consumer up to exploitation. People are forced to turn to these apps to get food, groceries, and supplies they need. In return, only the few who control the apps reap the benefits of the gig economy. I don't think the gig economy is going to end anytime soon, but that doesn't mean it can't change in any capacity. However, the burden does fall on all of us, consumers, restaurants, dashers, and other gig economy workers. It's important to be conscious of our own roles in and use of these systems. 
More so, it's important to support the work of each other, whether that means aiding at organizing workers or voting on legislation or helping lo local restaurants survive. DoorDash and the gig economy has exploded into our lives, but the power is with the restaurants, the consumer, and the dasher.